Welcome to episode 544 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Radio team, welcome along to episode 544 of Iron Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Isles. How you going, mate? I'm good. A little bit cold, but I'm all good. Why are you cold, John? It's a fresh morning, summer's morning here in Christchurch. We have an outdoor swim on Tuesday mornings. It was a little chilly on the willy. Did you just swim with your water? You're above the water. <laughs> Backstroke. Yeah. It was fresh. But I'm good now, Bevan. I'm ready to rumble. Double up show. Plus, we've got Legends of Triathlon coming out this week as well, so it's all good. Hey, uh, John, Jumbo. Did say, he the, opened up his email and he goes, "Good, I've got something to rant about." I've got something to rant about. <laughs> that's how he started. That's the first thing he said. Good, I've got something to rant about. So we're going to get him in the moment, team, because normally, sometimes we get these emails from everyone going, "Oh, John's going to rant, John." But by the time it gets to the show, we don't get the fire in the belly. Yeah. We got, we get, we get a little bit of a rant. But today, be ready, team. Yep, be ready. I am talk is proudly brought to you by. Athletes.com. Social networking for endurance athletes. Extreme endurance. Your lactic buffer. And our patrons. And let's name a few, Jumbo. Robert Boom Boom Beelan. That's a great one. We've got Nick, uh, Craig Nicholson. Um, and he's a raceaholic or The Rock. William the Treasure Chest Lockwood. We've got Scott the Shark Mangle. And Scott the Bouncer Stephen. Don't mess with Scott Stephen, I tell you. He can bounce you around a bit. Okay, in this week's show team, we've got some news. We've got a hot topic of the week. We've got Statistic. Got an interview with the current 70.3 world champion. Tim Reid. Good to get him on. Mm. I haven't spoken to him since in Kona, have we? No. We had time in Kona, we spoke to him. Yeah. He's a nice guy. He's a lovely, lo- lovely Lovely. Chap. Lovely man. He's a lovely. We sound like old ladies. Lovely yeah. young man. Okay, guys, this week's uh, news. Let's start. Oh, we've got some um, patrons and a couple of questions and answers at the end. Okay, so big piece of news this week. If the ITU have announced their Hall of Fame and new inductees. It's funny because we have two Hall of Fames, really, don't we? Uh, it's probably about three, really. I think there's three. We've got the ITU. There's probably more than this. We've got more Iron Man. What's the other one that comes out? The USAT, was in, is it, is it, was the it, okay. US Triathlon, which makes news. I'm sure the Brits might have one as well. Um, I don't think we've got one in New Zealand. Do they Not have really. a, a web page where they have all the inductees for IGL yes. full time? Yes, you do. yes, they do. That was a page I was trying to find before, so I'll go through that. So this is only a, f- a fairly recent thing. They only started in 2014. Okay. And it's interesting that they're, they're naming people that were very loyal to... ITU that did a lot of ITU racing. So if we think about some of the greatest short course athletes of all time, a couple of them didn't do a lot of ITU racing. So for example, Simon Lessing and, and Spencer Smith are two of the greatest short course athletes. But they all they really did was the odd random event here or there. And oh, it's because it was before ITU was what it is today. Yeah, there were still ITU races, but 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 they turned up and they did world champs and they were winning world champs. But they didn't do a lot of other races. Um, partly there wasn't a lot of races at that time. But once you got to late 90s and, and early 2000s, then uh, that's when a lot of the athletes that they've named so far have sort of been uh, been yeah. They were doing a lot of IT racing. So coming up now, we've got in 2016 inductees, you've got uh, Bevan Doherty. And when you you watch his highlights package, it's hard for me because I know Bevan really well and just sort of know him as another guy. But Jesus, he had so many good results. You know, two Olympic medals, um, a world championship, 
and consistent. You know, won a lot of uh, and a hard races. ass, wasn't he? Bev was mm. Bev was a tough bugger, wasn't he? Absolutely. So they're putting Bevan Doherty in from New Zealand. Um, Brad Bevan from Australia. We've heard from him on. Yeah, did he win a world championship? No, he didn't. So he's going to go down as one of the greatest athletes not to. Okay. He won the World Cup. I don't know how many years in a row. He he was a lot. You know, it was very much. Brad Bevan versus Hamish Carter on the world. Because I remember circuit. when I was a young man and Hamish Carter did Clash of the Codes, which in New Zealand was this big kind of sports program. It was a brilliant program, wasn't it? Mm. They basically got two, two or three athletes from each sport in New Zealand mm. doing these kind of crazy events. And it was very popular. And so Hamish Carter, and he was very successful at it. So he became a bit of a household name, didn't he? Mm. And um, <clears throat> and then I'd watch these races. And the only, because th- Brad Bevan, obviously, with Bevan, but Brad Bevan was the guy who'd always beat him. Yeah. my head in. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't know much about triathlon, but I loved Hamish Carter because he was such a kind of icon in New Zealand. So, yeah. No, so Brad Bevan was, certainly was one of the greatest athletes not to win a world title. And he was around when the Olympics went around as well. Well, he just, he was just sort of starting to fade. As yeah. The, but if in the 90s there were the Olympics, you probably mm. would have picked him to get an Olympic medal. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So on the guy, so on the guys' side, you got uh, Bevan and uh, Bevan Doherty and Brad Bevan, and then on the girls' side of things, you got Carol Montgomery from Bevan. Canada. Yeah, I know. I should yes. be in there. You should be <laughs> contribution to the sport. Yeah, uh, and then on the girls' side of things, you got Carol Montgomery from Canada. She was a fantastic yeah, I athlete. I, I'm, I, I did have a bit of contact with her a while ago, trying to get her on Legends. So we will do it at some stage, hopefully. But she was a marvelous runner. Uh, she got a number of. She she just didn't. I don't, I'm almost positive she didn't win a world championship. But I think she would have got a few medals. But she was a bit like Brad Bevan in that era. She was consistently winning World Cup races or being on the podium. Uh, often coming back from a poor swim, and she was a machine runner. And she also ran at the Commonwealth Games uh, for Canada over 10k as well. Oh wow! So she did. She was fantastic. And then uh, Loretta Harrop is the other female that's being inducted. Now I know the name, but I don't know much about her. So she came within a whisker of winning the Athens Olympic Games. Really? Got run down by Kate Allen in a, in a in bizarre fashion. Why uh, bizarre? Well, Kate Allen, never heard of her before, never heard of anything she's done afterwards. Is it a bit suspicious? That, well, some people would, but she just had an amazing run. And on that course, it was such a course that it just really suited some people, and she just tore the run to pieces and uh so she, what before the olympics she was just some middle of the packer yeah i think she, she was an aussie who ended up racing for austria through parental yep. okay so she wasn't marriage. good enough to be in the aussie team yeah and, and then after the olympics not much happened either no, no. Wow. she did a little bit of long course stuff but <clears throat> yeah she did okay here and there but not not no, not think. the person you'd think would win olympic gold no so but really athens ha- was a really hard run wasn't it it was insane tell, tell us about it the bike course was ridiculous ridiculously steep it was however many laps it was either six or i think maybe six laps uh and i I do the bike course sometimes on um on the kicker using perf pro it is so steep that you know that these are top athletes there was some of them were zigzagging across the road to get up that's how steep it was it was ridiculous because new zealand in that race the men's race strategically were perfect weren't they yeah and and they prepared perfectly so they were you know, when they did their training, they knew the course, they were preparing for that course. It did help that Hamish and Bevan were both oxes on the bike. Yeah. Um, and that didn't really show in a lot of the ITU racing because, you know, a lot of it's draft legal yeah. and, and the cyclists don't really get a chance. And this one, not only did the cyclists get a chance to get away, but it also softened everybody else up for the run. Yeah. So that was... Uh, cool. So then there were cyclists who got away who were good runners. Mm. It was their day. And Loretta Harrop, pretty sure she raced in the 2000 Olympics as well. So, and she, she was much like the others, just a consistent performer on the World Cup circuit. Did she win a world title? I think she did. I think she won. 
Now, she didn't win in Perth. Oh, I don't know. I think she won a world title somewhere, but I can't remember. So if we go back to 2015, we have Emma Snowstall, we have Michaela Jones, Vanessa Fernandez, uh, Hamish Carter, Pete Robinson, and Simon Whitfield, and then Lifetime Achiever was the Japanese guy. How's that one, John? Chihuaro. Chihuru. Do you know him? Igaya. No, don't. Probably the organisation. Then in 2014, we had Erin Baker, Emma Carney, we had Karen Smyers from the States, Mark Allen, Simon Lessing, oh, so Greg Simon Welsh. Lessing, isn't yeah. It? And then we had Les McDonald, who was the man behind it all, really, wasn't he? So uh, those are the ones who we've had inducted to this point in time. So they have gone for the stars, really, haven't they? They have. Yeah, it's which is. Spencer Smith's not in there before some of these guys. I would have I put him right up there. You, you would? Absolutely. Yeah, okay. he was a legend. But he was a legend for a moment, wasn't he? No, he was a few years. Was he? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I don't know. I just know he won the world championship once, didn't he? Uh, twice. I do want twice today. Twice. Okay, sorry. In, in, in emphatic fashion. Really? Yeah, it was very impressive. But Spence is gold, but isn't yeah. he? He's just such a great character for the sport. We've got actually the interview we've got for Legends. We have Bill Black, who was, who was Spencer's coach for, for a very long part of his career. And uh, and it was very much a family unit with Spencer, Spencer's dad, Spencer's mum, and Bill Black, the coach. And uh, so the interview does end up being a lot about Spencer Smith and, and, and how he sort of got him to be up at the top and staying at the top. So it was Bill, uh, Bill Black is gold. Yeah. You know, listen to the interview, guys, because he's just he's a, a man who loves the sport, been in sport, but can tell a good story as well. So exactly. check it out. John, I've got to give you a hard time. Okay. Because last time, last week, Trenzo Brazoni won Western Australia, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Dominating fashion. And I said, there's only 31, and you, you shot me down straight away. Oh, if yeah. the cage and the rest of it. But what about Mecca? What about Crowey? Those guys started really young, and they didn't peak till their mid-30s. They didn't start as young as Trenzo. I, I understand what you're saying. Um, so, Crowey, like when we were in France, that was in 298, 97. So... They didn't quite like Terenzo is a child prodigy. You know, he was he's been at it since he was thirteen ish, something like that. Like he was winning world junior titles when he was fifteen or sixteen. So it's just that like yeah. now we look what's happening. It seems he's going to another level, mm-hmm. and he, and he's still. I know you're saying after the case, he's still only thirty one, mm. and, and like really. He's probably got another four or five years of good racing. And now I understand you're saying, well, he's been at it for so long. He's probably a bit more tired than people who are maybe the same age. But I think it's a bit too dismissive just to say Athletic Age, he's not going to get there. I think he's still got a few good years in front of him. But yeah, I don't think he. Because if we look at like Corey Nett, they, got, they stayed at it until 36, 37, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And so in theory, Trenzo could have another five or six years of great racing. And, you know, he's, he's gone to the next level there, hasn't he? And like this race this weekend, to go from a sub eight the week before. To pull off this race the next week. I know it's only so, a 70.3, but still. So we're talking Bahrain 70.3, where Terenzo d- did back up, as Bevan said. Uh, I was, I wouldn't say I'm shocked and dismayed, but I'm sensational, isn't it? impressed yeah. uh, that he went, was able to go out and do that. So Bahrain 70.3, it was the Middle Eastern Championships, 100,000 bucks on the, on the line, so it's a good money race. And he just went out there and just dominated on the bike. Yeah, you know? man, big he, time. He swims with the, he, you know, he's, Pretty consistent with his swimming these days. He's right up there with the leaders coming out of the swim, and then rode a one fifty six compared to the other dudes. Who no one else got under two hundred one. Yes, and uh, sound like I read his little race report. Sound like he was uh, suffering pretty badly on the run, and uh, really had to keep the foot down because a guy called Stefan Justice from Germany was closing in on him, and he was a very good ITU athlete, uh, and he had a smoking hot run. One eleven. One eleven, uh, and it sounded like it was his last race as a professional. 
professional athlete. So oh, really? he was quite motivated to, to go hard. So it'd be nice to, whilst he didn't have the win, I'm sure he'd be coming away from that race going, I, I blitzed on a high note. and yeah. I, you know, ran really strong and, and finished well. So yeah, very impressed with uh, Terenzo Bozzoni taking that one out. And the cool thing for him now, he's got everything sort of locked and loaded for- And a lot of money. And yeah, a lot of money. <laughs> locked and loaded for, for next year in terms of, got his Kona slot, have a 70.3 slot, he can just kind of get into it. Th- the downfall he's got now is that he will be doing Ironman New Zealand as well in March. So he, he's not really going to have much of an off season in terms of. Um, what would you, out. as a coach, knowing he probably he's going to have to do New Zealand, mm. and he's probably not going to peak for it. You know, mm. he doesn't want to win it because it's great power and it's his money making country. So, what would be your plan for Trenzo moving forward to next year? Well, that's the thing, and that's one of the things we'll, we'll ask um, Tim Reid today. It just depends where his focus is lying. You know, we all think everything is about Kona, but. Surely for Trenzo, it is now. Well, you would think so, but you know, you'd, you'd, say it is. You'd, you'd think the same for Lionel Sanders. You'd say, why don't you focus on Kona? He's like, well, yeah, I'll, I'll come and do Kona, but I'm focused on being the best 70.3 athlete in the world. So um, if Terenzo was going to race Hawaii, then and from a coaching point peak. of view, then you wouldn't want to do New Zealand, but he's going to do New Zealand. Mm. So so then after have a break period? Yeah. But he, but I don't see he, he's a racer. I don't see him having a break. Mm. So maybe he'll, maybe he'll chill out for the rest of December. You know, take two or three weeks to chill out and do like a two week no not a two week two month build up to Ironman New Zealand and because um, I want him to win New Zealand. You hope so? Oh God, yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. like I want him to keep this run going. Like I want him to be top five in Kona. I want him to win mm. Kona as mm. a Kiwi. You know, God, he's our only hope nowadays. Mm. You know, so come on, come on, Terenzo. On the girls' side, I think Sarah Cowley took that out. Uh, they also had over the Bahrain 70.3 race, uh, a lot of the bar t- Team 13 Bahrain endurance team oh, yep. racing yep. as relays, and Frodo apparently was there, and Gomez was racing as a, in, in a relay, and I think maybe Reef as well. So they're all over there. Shame they couldn't be racing uh, head-to-head in the 70.3. Okay, we also had the Ironman 70.3. No, not 70.3 today. It is 70.3. People, don't, people ask us for this. We normally don't do it. If it was a Kiwi, Kiwi, oh, it's a case, Kiwi it's show fine. as well. Because <laughs> okay. we, we had uh, our local Mike Phillips just fell short of beating Braden Curry at the, the New Zealand 70.3. He got pipped in, in the run. He did. Braden Curry had, had a bad bike crash the week before uh-huh. and I uh, was going in with a bit of road rash and what have you. Mike Phillips, he's a perennial second place getter. So he, uh, I used to coach Mike and he also came out and did like the House of Travel Triathlon Festival the weekend before last and he won that one. But when I get athletes, the, the elites to sort of fill in a little survey beforehand or a survey, a questionnaire with, uh, with just some results, etc. so that the MCs can say a bit about them. It's like second, 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 second. <laughs> he's had loads of seconds at 70. Point threes and at challenge races, uh, so he's just yet to break through with that <coughs> one. So Mike Phillips finished second, Braden Curry um, first, and then a really close race on the girls' side. I think Laura Siddle came within a whisker of running down Meredith Kessler, who recently did Ironman Arizona. So she got within eight seconds in the run. Wow! So she lost four minutes to Meredith in the swim. They biked the same, and then Laura Siddle ran a one twenty four to Meredith Kessler's one twenty seven. Eight seconds. So going back just to the men's race, Cam Brown came at eighth. But Dougal, Alan, we haven't heard of him for in a long time, have we? Oh, no, he was doing some, he did some 70.3s in China. And, okay, um, well, he got, he got seven. Fifth-ish, sort of, you know, mm. in the, in the um, Cam Brown had a bloody panic attack in the swim, he said. Really? He um, said he just, first 100 metres, he almost pulled out. He was uh, having to do a bit of breaststroke, and he said it's never happened. He kind of can empathise with, um, with atrial athletes yeah. now going, shit, yeah, that's what it's all about. No, 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 I haven't. Yeah. No, I love it, but some people, mm. 
Okay, we also had 73.3 Ballarat. Ballarat. Dennis Chevron, Chevro took it out from France uh, 349 <coughs> from Peter Kerr. And then on the girls' side of things, I seem to recall, I think it was Annabelle Luxford taking it out. Let's see if my memory is correct. It was Annabelle Luxford taking it out uh, by seven minutes. So next year, team, the 70.3 World Championships look like they're going to be pretty bloody fascinating because we know Gomez is going for it. We're going to have all the top IT, I mean WTC people, but it seems like Alistair Brownlee may be targeting it. Yes. So Tim Hemming, good old... I'm going to start calling him out, our roaming reporter. Righty ho. Yeah, international roaming reporter. There yeah, we go. Yeah. He did this interview where he got he got a tennis sit down with Alistair Brownlee and just kind of hinted that he wanted to win the half marathon world champs at some point. Half Ironman. Half Ironman, sorry. Uh, and maybe even try next year. So, And then he's going to kind of decide what he does um, in terms of whether he's either going to go Kona or he's going to go Tokyo. So he's sort of going to give him give himself, you know, the next year or so to figure it out before qualifying sort of starts and what have you. Uh, so he certainly is not ruling out going to Tokyo, but it's sort of going to be one or the other this year. So what, he'll this be year. 31 by then? Mm. <clears throat> Your thoughts? Who knows? He's pretty amazing. Yeah. I don't, see, like him, Gomez, I'm saying, come on, mate, come to our party. Yeah. yeah. Whereas him, I'm saying, uh, I wouldn't mind you trying to get three. But by then... Who's come through and, you know, it's a different world, isn't it? And it also depends on what the distance ends up being. Oh, true. You know? yeah. um, so you do, you often sit in these positions and four years is a long time. Yeah. And especially when you're getting to that latter part, you know, for speedy guys, like I'm saying Torrento's 31, he's got four years to go. 28 for a fast guy, you know, in that faster sport, it's a different yeah. game, isn't it? Things are going to advance a bit more in the next four years. He, but he's so far in front of everybody. But we've seen the same thing with, with many other athletes, you know. I'd be sitting here the same, you know, four years out from Olympics with Simon Lessing or something. He'd mm. say nobody's even remotely close to him. He's so far in front of everybody. He's got no chance. He'll be he'll be fine. But and at the moment, you'd say the same thing about Lessing, about uh, Brownlee. He's just so much better than everybody else. Four years, he'd probably slow down a little bit, and everybody else would probably speed up a little bit. And we don't know what when the next rock star is coming through. Mm. You know, because so, sometimes someone just comes through, don't they? Exactly. It was interesting, I interviewed, and you guys would have heard this, I interviewed Mark Allen post-Kona, you probably wouldn't listen to it, mm. you know, behind the line, just talking about Frodo, how he's so dominant right now, and, mm. you know, what's going to happen, how, how can you beat him, and he said, well, some, one day he just won't be as good, <laughs> you know, and, yeah. and that's what happens, is that yeah. they just lose their edge eventually, and so Brownlee won't be this guy forever, but it is a really interesting kind of thought to have of, when is that line, and does that line hold off to after Tokyo, mm. or... You know, and the other thing we know about Brownlee is he he is a bit more fragile, mm -hmm. and so maybe staying faster is you know going to be harder on his body. He so. also says he wants to do some running races and what have you. You know, see how fast he can run a marathon, and you know he played around with that ten k for a while as well. What do you reckon so. run a marathon in? God sub, knows. Be sub two twenty surely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I've, I don't, don't know. It'd be two oh seven. Who said that? No, that was no. He said two twelve. I'm sure. Oh, was it? Okay. Yeah. Henning. Henning, yeah. Christmas Henning. It's a crap about that Shall, one, shall I do my rant now? <laughs> okay, John's got a rant, and then we've got something to I have cool, cooled down a little bit. Actually, let's do roaming reporter first. So just one thing, there was a speculation about a positive drug treat from the UK this week, <clears throat> and our roaming international reporter, Tim Henning, just sent through an email saying, here's a short version of what's happening. It's a shambles. An athlete is with trace amounts of clean bluterol. Clean bluterol, yeah. Yep. Uh, lawyered up, won the case saying it came from contaminated meat. This means it should be being kept anonymous. That's a different argument, but the law firm explicitly put out a press release saying that they don't want. They won the case. Speculation that it was Brownlee, 
Uh, so British Triathlon produced a statement saying that it was not a funded athlete. So basically it's just saying there's been some reports that have been a bit pretty poorly reported. Mm. Um, and it's one of these kind of strange situations where you need to be careful of what you're going to think about there. So basically it's not a funded athlete within the British Association. Mm. And it seems as though they got off. So it seems like a bit of a storm in a teacup. Well, no, the tests are positive, but they, you know, Clembrucherol uh, uh, is the same one that, um, oh, what's his name, the cyclist? Uh, Contador? <sighs> not, yeah, Contador got busted for, and the, the, the story is, you know, you say your, your meat was contaminated with it. And what I read was that it was at the very low end of the threshold, and they argued that, it could have been in the meat when you're in a country like Mexico and they were successful. It just pisses me off that this stuff actually makes it into the news when if they if they got off, I don't know, I don't, it pisses me off that we're talking about it when they've said, okay, fair enough, you didn't get busted. Um, and I don't know, I just I hate leaks. Well, I think like the problem this. is that the story isn't, you know, because what you're saying, it's a non-story, so why mm. should we bother? But the story is, the problem is it paints the brush of everyone, mm. you know, and that's that's the thing is that... People just go brownies. Yeah, yeah, totally. And or, so or. the British Triathlon Foundation had to kind of say, look, it's not one of our guys because it it is that whole thing of, if, like if right now, like right now in New Zealand, <clears throat> there's this, this case going on in the New Zealand court system of an actor who's basically been sexually assaulting people he's been training. Allegedly. It's Allegedly. In what's in court? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, but I'm not naming names, but that, that's the alleged, that's what's kind of happening. But we don't know who the actor is. So mm. now you're going, which actor is it? You know, and so we're kind of looking at all actors going, well, mm. you know, who is this person? And, you know, and that's what happens in these situations. So the British Triathlon Foundation or whatever Fair. federation had to do this, didn't they? Mm. Yeah. It's Stupid crazy. law firm putting out a press release. Yeah, I reckon. You did your job. You know, sh shut up. Yeah. <laughs> and they probably charged him for the PR release. <laughs> um, <laughs> lawyers. <laughs> uh, what am I saying, Jombo? Okay. Rant. Your rant. Okay, let's go. So I got this, just got this email got through. An email, just to turn up his computer. Just turn up. Okay, have, have you seen this? <laughs> and I hadn't. And I'm glad it got pointed out so I can get fired up again. Who sent it through to you? Give uh, it was Dave Fish, I think. Yep. Good old Dave Fish. So, John, you know what? Coat Boulder. Where, where triathletes live, you put an Ironman there, it's going to sell out day one, John, surely. Surely. Surely, biggest race of the season in the States, what happened there? Uh, not yeah. so successful. Let's just throw away a few more Kona spots. So what are they doing, John? There's not enough spots on the pier. No, <laughs> we can make it work if it makes we'll, profit. We'll pull, rate, we'll pull slots from all these other events where people are working really hard to qualify or we can't give another 10 slots to legacy athletes that actually go out there and do the hard yards and keep racing and keep pumping money into it. We'll just use this as a promo tool to try to get more people into our race so we can make more money. This pisses me off, Bevan. So what's actually happening? Register for Ironman Boulder before January 5th, 2017 for the chance to win a slot for the 2017 Ironman World Champs. Take your triathlon travels to Boulder in 2017 for a chance to win your slot, blah, blah, blah. Athletes who register between December 10th and January 5th are eligible to win one of 10 slots to the 2017 World Championships. So it's basically a lottery. It if no, you enter no, this race. Like, I tell you what it is, it's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. Come on, John. It's just rabbit. I, this really riles me. <laughs> go on. Because, it, I mean, I don't, when, you know, so I'm in New Zealand. Yeah, we did it. They had 10 extra slots. But it was 30 it was years, an anniversary. It? Yeah. Things like that. I'm, I'm okay yeah. with that. Yep. When they, um, 30 yeah, years of a race. Go on. And, and like in China, when. There's no other Ironman races. Probably, I was like, oh, it's not you quite right, but yep. I can kind of, I can see your point. There's not much racing in Asia. I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that, but this is just purely marketing. Just throwing ten slots away when you go to races these days, it's a bloody lottery to try to get in, especially for the girls. You know, you've got to win your age group at a lot of these races. 
So I'm deeply frustrated. Oh, you guys the F word there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. deeply frustrated. Frustrated. So, so basically, what they're doing is they're saying, look, enter a race you, and you're going to the draw to win a slot. Yeah. It's pretty poor form, isn't it? Very poor form. Especially when we think about how hard so many people work to mm. get one of these slots. And it's not a fair comparison because we can look to the old lottery and we kind of say, well, the old lottery, we, we felt that they gave away too many slots of the old lottery system. Mm. But it was fair across the board. You know, yeah. like anyone could enter that. Whereas this is like, no, nah, we just want the people who can do this race. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's purely... And the numbers aren't great at that race. It's just a, it's just a straight up marketing tool. Yeah, I'm not happy, Bevan. Not happy at all. No. Do you think it works? Well, if you look at, say, the China races, it seemed to draw quite a few internationals over there because mm. it was an easy, easier way to try to get a bit of a backdoor entry into Kona. So, yeah, I think it will get more people to that race. Mm. How many more, I don't know. But, look, I, you know, you always play by the rules. If I was an athlete in America and going, there's an extra 10 slots there, and I want to go to Cone this year, I'd go, hmm, but maybe I will is, that race. The problem is, it's not rewarding performance. No. So it's not like you're going, oh, shit, you know, you know, I was maybe a sixth of my age group and there was only four slots and now, you know, it's going to increase my chance. It's like, hey, enter and you're in. Mm. So it's, it's, it's kind of, it's pure lottery. It is, yeah, yeah. You know, like it's nothing about ability. That's true. Yeah, whereas at least in China... It was ability-based. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, 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 and even in Ironman New Zealand, it was ability-based, wasn't it? Or was it just for No, no, they did 10. Uh, okay. They did 10 but I, yeah, I'm with you. 30 years, you know, you celebrate it. It's a yep. way to celebrate. But this, yeah. John, you Poor used the F-word. They've, they've finished the year on a low light, a low, you know, a low point. Yeah, not good enough to And just, I, I don't, we're going to get onto this a bit later on, but um, a few people's highlights of the year, you know, so I put that on Facebook. No, some, some people were, were rant, saying that my rant on, on Ironman was one of the highlights of the year about the <laughs> Ironman world record. And please, if you see anybody else referring to the Ironman world record, just uh, go hashtag John's please rant. Please forward it on to me because I do want to keep going on this because I'm really riled about it. So yeah. keep it up. Yeah, I know. Poor Belinda. Yeah. <laughs> Poor Belinda. That's all she hears about. Yeah, yeah just in a, in, a, in a child's pose with your thumb in yeah. your mouth each night. She's got to bring you out of it. Yeah. Oh, I love it, John Rand. Okay, Jonbo, uh, what else do you never news? No, there's that. <laughs> okay, let's look at this week's discussion. So this week's discussion is, what was a really good Christmas gift under $100 for a triathlete? So that's really good. And you, and you want to do your second one as well? Well, no, my second one was actually going to be a website of the week. I know the second one we'll do next week. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, next week. Okay. <laughs> Why didn't you wait? <laughs> you were just, just keen. Sorry. No, I, I thought you were talking about my suggestion for, for a present. So I'll kick off with that but while we pull up our Facebook page because we're highly prepared professionals here. Well, I go ahead, but then it's going, Facebook's going all funny. So my suggestion here, and this is kind of a bit of a website of the week as well, is to gift someone a pass to the triathlonlive.tv, which is the ITU That's coverage. That's a good idea. It's awesome. Not not just because you get the coverage, and I know Kiwis and stuff, you can't get it because it's all wrapped up with Sky Sports. Why can you not get it here? No. What if you use like a VPN? Yeah, if you could did that, you probably could. Okay. Yeah. But I was on there the other day, and you know, I've seen all the coverage from this year and stuff, but I was on the train and thought, I want to try to find something else to watch, and I'd watched a bit too much cycling. I thought I'd just try to find some more triathlon stuff. But I went on there, and they've got archive. I didn't realize how much archive stuff they've got. They've got all the... Recent Everything. years of like the last, I don't know how many years, but then they've got every world championships there's ever been. Oh, wow. Now, granted. What did you go back and watch? I, I went and watched 1992. Was that the one you did? 
No, it wasn't. Uh, it was Spencer Smith and Aaron Baker. No, was it Aaron Baker and Mark Allen, was it? Was that the uh, first one? No, that's... 92, so 92 was... Muskoka. Yeah, it was Muskoka. And who won um, it? Well, I don't want to ruin the story because I'd, I'd highly recommend people okay. go and watch. But apart from, I think, 90 and 91, I didn't watch them because they were in Japanese. <laughs> well, you couldn't understand it. <laughs> well, yeah, they'd, they'd obviously just, you know, it was an after-the-fact moment. They'd go on, right, let's get all the world championship footage we can. And those ones were so long ago, they just happened to have recordings of it in Japanese. The rest that came on, the, first, the couple that I watched had Steve King, who was on Legends of Triton. He was one of yeah. the commentators. Oh, wow. He was great. He had this massive big mullet going on. Nice, love the Really mullet. big bushy moustache, and he was a great commentator. Uh, but the 92 race, it was gold. Really? And the thing was, it was really well covered. It was an hour show covering you know, a two-hour yep. race, and you're watching it the whole time. You're going, shit, what's happening now? What's happening now? What's happening now? It was um, really Was it well because it was non-drafting? Well, that's debatable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You, you can clearly see why. Uh, they had to go. And this was in 1992. You know, it, was, it didn't didn't change over until 90, 90, 96, 95, okay. 95. So, yeah, that would be my suggestion for a present for a triathlete is to get them a pass for triathlonlive.tv. I've got to say, Karen Telford's got a great one. She's got quite a few options here. She's got running bras, socks, uh, tri-slide. I've always thought you needed a running bra. No, but you know what? Because, you know, I've got a product. <laughs> I don't know where you're going. That's well, no, no. I've got a product in my running groups. And admittedly, it's mainly females. And admittedly, it's females who are kind of between the age of 35 to 55. Um, but a good running bra is a lifesaver for a female, especially mm. if they're a bit more kind of generous in size yeah yeah and so uh seriously because if they go get them fitted because we actually recommend we send an email to them saying look here's kind of woman stuff you need to know mm-hmm. and um and the ones who get them say it's a godsend and sometimes you're even wearing two bras so right. they actually wear two bras they wear more of like a sports bra and then another bra yeah now again it's for a certain type of woman but a good running bra john i can i can't recommend it enough <laughs> so there you go uh, Lucy Francis is a good one. Uh, a raffer wallet to keep their mobile money and ID safe and dry while going on long rides. Essentials case is forty pounds. That's probably a good idea, isn't it? Because your mobile, you just put in your back pocket. But on a hot day, mm. it get pretty hot. Mm. Mm. Uh, we've got Brandon John Murray and uh, Brandon John Murray. He's got car washing sponge to pull in the pool. That's interesting. Three dollars to five dollars. Three for five dollars. Use a couple of bike tubes, cable ties to make it slightly the right length and built to last. So is it like a resistance? Don't know. That's interesting, John. Yeah. Brendan, you're a, you're a, you're an innovator. Matt rides a gift card. And Fred Willis, a kit bricks for forty eight pounds. Just organise your stuff. One bag for the bike, one for the swim, and one for the run. Good old Mike. Three goals. Got road ID card. Peace of mind for you and your family while you're out there on the long rides. So it's one of those little things that goes yeah. around your wrist and sort of like a, a tag. like you're in Just one thing as well. If you've got an iPhone, make sure you put your medical information in on your iPhone. Do you know how to do that? I think I have done that, yeah. Yeah, so basically when you've got an iPhone, and I'm sure Android has, I don't know how you do it, but an iPhone, if I, if I have an accident and the ambulance turns up, what they can do is they can push button now, it's locked, but they can swipe across, whoops, they can double tap my number. Ugh. <laughs> it's that easy, isn't no, it? No, because my fingerprint, my <laughs> fingerprint got the thing. If I double tap it, they go down there and it has medical information. And that there is really good information. That's basically contact details and stuff like that. Now, medical professionals 
like ambulance and that will know this. Mm. So just saying it's a really important thing because we all carry our phones with us. Mm. And if you have a crash and you're knocked out, now road ID is a good option. Also using the apps that let people know where you are yeah. is a really good thing to do as well. But also having that information on your phone, come on, it's not, it's not working for me. This is a good one. Duncan, Duncan Penfold, an entry to the local sprint try that I would not really register for because I get more training out of a long ride. It's a good idea. Okay, good. I've got the Christmas cracker this weekend. Actually, if anybody's on, uh, keen, keen for a, for a little race, and that is one where it's you know if you're a club member, it's thirty nine bucks to enter. So it's uh, yeah. Good old Lee Thomas. He wins patronage for I am Talk five dollars a month. Nice, and then get the rest of the headphones, and you can listen through your laughs on your run. Uh, Nicholas Pocock, windproof undies. I've never heard of these before. For those negative twenty four C runs in Minnesota, don't want to freeze the important bits off. Oh, and of course, anti chafing cream he's got here. Man or woman, you always need to fight the burn. Yes. Uh, Rob Lyons got patronage again. Matthew Jackson, that's Wolverine, isn't it? Yes. Uh, family has no chance of getting this one right. <laughs> uh, uh, Christine McKinley, your a year subscription to Train a Road. Maybe a little bit over 100 bucks, but you can spend it during summer when not win training and restart it again at no extra cost. Phil Elmer's got a year supply of laundry detergent. <laughs> nice uh, Compression calves Edward Wong And also uh, Dalian Evanson's got that as well You can never have too many Glenn Newbold's got butt cream As of, as has Arnold Sulikov But it's chamois cream uh, Drew Sap A gift card to your local That's bike shop That's actually a really good idea isn't it Because we spend a lot of money on bike maintenance mm -hmm. So if you get a gift card Support your local bike shop In the way that you know your triathlete can get exactly where they want What they want um, We've got David Pizza, he's got socks and running shorts. I need some running shorts. I have yeah. aerobic shorts, which are long. And Lucy Francis has got a link on here. So if you want a whole list of uh, things under $100, um, it's a hint to her husband. She's just put that little post in there and tagged her husband in there. Nice. Hint, hint. Lastly, just uh, good old Rob Lyons has got a good one. He's got the Provis Men's Reflective 360 Cycling Jacket. It's basically It basically works really well. In the dark, it's like a spotlight, really. Mm. And... Uh, pretty safe thing to have for you you're writing john your thoughts yeah no, i think my, my one that i came up with was uh yeah the triathlon tv pass i think that'd be a great idea along with of course i am talk uh, patronage because then they get a nickname plus they could actually then go on to win uh a trip to kona do you know what i'm not very good at spending money <laughs> really no like i'm really not like uh, yeah like i got given a hundred dollar bill dollars for rick and mall or whatever it's called nowadays and i go to rick and mall and I walk away from my hundred dollar in my pocket. I just, I don't need anything in life. And so the one thing I have been spending money on nowadays is just education. I love learning. Mm. And so I've been doing lots of online courses and, and stuff like that. So for me, there might be an area, like like for Training Peaks, they have the education on, you can do their course on how to learn to use Training Peaks better. Right. You know, so for me, something like that, something that's going to give me a better understanding and the thing I love. So I spend a lot of money on piano education. Mm -hmm. It's my biggest spend on me. But I, to me, that's just great use because it's the thing I love doing and I want to have a greater understanding in it. So for me, maybe get someone to put $100 into some kind of course. It might be something like the Training Peaks course. Mm -hmm. The better understanding we have in the thing we love, the better decisions we can make. So for me, it'd be something like that. So there cool. we go. This week's discussion, John, you've already done it, but... Well, we're going to talk about that when we record our next show straight oh, after this okay, one. Oh, <laughs> okay, nice. Okay, talk course. I need to sneeze. So it was, ne next week's discussion is going to be your three highlights for 2016, a triathlon highlights. So we'll be going into that next week, which we're going to record in about <laughs> you half You can't hour. go onto the website and do it because yeah. we've already done it. Okay, John's sponsor. We had Bahrain 70.3 at the weekend. Oh, Challenge Bahrain. 
It used to be challenged. Oh, what happened to it, John? Well, you wouldn't know because the website's not there anymore. Oh, how are you going to find the results? Athlinks.com. <laughs> so there you go. So the races are disappearing all over the, sh- the show. And this really was going to be a game-changing event. You know, massive prize money, drew a fantastic field. and But once the race is gone or taken over, then yeah, they'll, they'll keep the website up there for a little bit. But then when it's gone, it's gone. So at that race, we had uh, Tim Reid. Tim Reid listed listed up there. Oh, God knows how to come on a great podcast. Third place, and he, he's <laughs> he's got all his links up there in terms of all the other races he's done. He hasn't yet claimed his seventy point three wins. So Tim, if you are listening to this, you need to update up, update <laughs> Make sure you get your seventy point three win from there. Your Ironman. I'm not sure if he had his Ironman Australia result. He also had Jeff Simons. That's a cool thing. You can go on here and you know see guys like Jeff Simons. You know where they've come from and and where they are to where they are today. You know he won. The Asia Pacific Ironman title was it last year or the year before? I don't know the other. And uh, and then our first finishes on there that are from the non pros are Rory Spicer. He's oh yeah, he's the listener of the show. Go Rory! Finished in 49th place and closely followed by Luke Matthews oh, and, what about and Mary Beth Alice. She's oh. also on there in terms of girls. I know so she's, she's not retired a, now, isn't she? She is retired. Yeah, wow. Well, of course, yeah. she's going to have kids, wasn't she? That was, the, that, was a, that was a plan. Yeah. Bloody hell, she got 118 races listed up here. Wow, she was she was an ex. She did do a lot of races. Yeah, she was an ex, she was. 87 races, I'm not sure where I got that. She was such a lovely person too, eh? Mm. You know, one of the good people of our sport. She's kept hers up to date. Well done, Mary Bass. She had the Subaru um, Ironman Montron Blanc, which she won in 9 hours 26. And she haven't got her... Did she finish Kona or not? She did, because you interviewed Yeah, her. but it was a tough day. It was a tough day. Yeah. Maybe she doesn't want to claim that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so there you go. So, guys, if you are doing any races around the world, get your results up there as quick as you can after the race, because who knows what's happen- happening in this day and age. I uh, saw a thing on slowtwitch.com the other day about sort of, uh, you know, you can see the sort of the, the declining numbers in the sport in America. And this, the sport's are still in a really healthy spot, but it's gone past that peak. I think the peak was in 20, 2012. Yeah. Massive growth from in sort of the early two, that 2000s, but we're sort of on the other side of it. So I don't think we're, there's no need to panic, but I think we're, we're past the bubble of where things are growing ridiculously out of control in the developed countries. Uh, and races are going to fall over more and more often. So get your results up on athletics.com. It's mm, a bigger discussion, isn't it? One, okay, athletics.com, guys, check, check. Check it out. Okay, John, let's push pause and let's get some music on. Statistic. It's fantastic. You know what? Our harmony was perfect then. Yeah. It really was. You know what? When we were three years old, Bevan, you, I was three, you were... I was were, two. You were two? Yeah. Lynn Lemire became the first female participant in the Ironman so World the second time. Championships. Her time? No, the first year was 78, wasn't it? Yes. Okay, so second year in the Ironman? Yeah. So first year we didn't have a female. Her time was 12.55.38. Pretty good, really, when, when you consider the sport at the time. Finished fifth place overall. Yeah, yeah pretty blooming good. Mm. You know, that's, that's pretty, you know, like nowadays, 13 hour female races is a solid race. Yeah. You know, but back in the day when you knew nothing about the sport, mm. that's a pretty good effort. A very good effort. And when, you, and when you've got no technology and you've probably got 
no clue what you're doing. You know, when we've interviewed most of the people back in that sort of time is they were just, you know, doing 10 mile runs here and there, yeah. go and go swim out to a, an island and back and go for a few bike rides. It did advance really quickly through the 80s, but those first few years, they were just, you know, clueless people. And it was... It was probably 81, 82 yes. where it changed, eh? Yeah. And then quite in the mid-80s, it went up another level again, didn't it? Exactly. Yeah. But no, it was, it was just an adventure to go out there and you didn't go and do the distance beforehand and in the single distance you just kind of rocked up and did it so look if anybody knows where she's got to Lynn and me I'd love to have her on the Legends of Triathlon podcast but um, people from that era I just haven't been able to find um, a great deal about so if anybody knows where she is and can hook us up that'd be great but that's your stat for this week 12, 55, 38 was the first ever finish at the Ironman World Champs for the females. Okay, John, we're going to have Tim Reid. Tim Reid, the current World 70.3 Champion, Asia Pacific World Champion, and Ironman win in Ironman Austria. So let's get Australia. Australia. you got Z there. A-U-Z. Oz. Oz. Oh, I would take those. Austria. I would have put O-Z for Oz. Would you? Yeah, <laughs> I would have got that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Here's Tim Reid. Okay, so guys, so... Um, we have got the current 70.3 Legend. world champion. He also has the Asia Pacific 70.3 Legend. title, which I, which I was watching on the bike the other day, and also had an Ironman win at Ironman Australia this year. Legend. So, Tim Reid, uh, welcome back to the show. Thanks, guys. Very excited to be on. And oh, he says all the right things as well. And, and, <laughs> and he wasn't at Bahrain at the weekend. We'll maybe talk a bit about that later on. But he did win the 70.3 Worlds. Now, it, I said on the last couple of weeks, I mean, I obviously knew the result, but I hadn't actually watched much of the coverage. And I, I was actually on the trainer watching it uh, over the last couple of weeks, watched the whole race, which was uh, pretty awesome going on the run. But look, in terms of the race itself... You're more, you're getting more and more experience at these 70.3 races and world championships and how they kind of pan out. And there's different courses now. Did the race actually pan out? Not so much your performance, but did the race actually pan out as you expected in terms of you know how things worked on the the, the swim and the bike? Um, I was uh, I was surprised to not be running against Lionel Sanders. To be honest, I just thought the way I, he'd race. Um, the previous times I'd been against him that year, I just thought um, that he would. I, I just expected him to blow past around. Well, catch me about seven, you know, sixty to seventy kilometres into the bike. Mm. Um, but I think uh, the way the way it pans out when you've got so many good cyclists all wanting to stay away from Lionel, um, I really think it didn't work to his advantage at all. So I, that was probably the only surprise for me. I'd sort of, um, yeah, I sort of had in my head that I'd be, I knew I was in really great shape. I'd been feeling great going into it. So I knew that uh, I had the feeling that I'd be running against Lionel and Sebastian in the last sort of, you know, in the last half of the run. Um, and Sebastian was there, but yeah, no Lionel. So that was probably the only surprise. But yeah, the, the race panned out. I was surprised it didn't split up the um, the group didn't split up on the hilly sections of the bike. Um, but I do think a lot of guys got off onto the run uh, at least a little bit more fatigued than, say, a, you know, some of the flatter courses that, you know, like uh, Florida or – was it Florida the first couple yeah, of years? Yeah, yeah. Clearwater. Yep. Pancake. Uh, Clearwater. Um, so uh, even though the, the race didn't split up, I think it was – I still think the stronger – guys came through towards the end of the run how hard i mean i know you guys were 
it looked like you were pushing the pace at times on the bike. And yet Lionel Sanders was saying he had a fantastic ride. You know, his power numbers were awesome, yet he wasn't able to catch you guys. But when I was watching the footage, you know, quite often you'd see guys just, just freewheeling, trying to stay out of the draft zone. So it was, it was it, again, was it a real yo-yo sort of ride? Yeah, it felt it was a real sort of like five minutes on and then and then sort of a real softening and, and the pace would drop a lot and and then someone else would go and it was you know there was some guys um myself you know Terenzo Apo um and Sebastian Kinley and and also uh, Dryitz maybe what's Dryitz yeah so we we were all we all at different stages had a real shot off you know trying to get things broken up a little bit and but it's just so difficult to do you know once you get that 10 meter gaps once you've you know as you know once it's uh five people back or six or seven people back there's just so much um so much of an aerodynamic advantage for those guys back there that it just doesn't quite break up even though it can those guys i mean it it can end up being really surgy for them because they get that sort of yo-yo effect and that can actually hurt your run as well. So even if their average power is low, because they've had to do so many little 400-watt surges to stay with the group, it can still, I think, bring them undone a little bit. But, yeah, I think the ride was not definitely wasn't steady state, but it hasn't been in any World Championship 70.3s I've done. Uh, I think my most steady state race was Montremblant, where I, um, I, got, I messed up the transition because we had to put our things in buckets um tubs for the first time and i'd never done that before so i just threw it on the ground and then i had to go back anyway so i rode most most of it solo but i actually it was how i always trained so i was used to riding steady state but but every other 70.3 world championship i've done it's it's like that it's a real group dynamic it's very you've got to train to do those little hard surges and it's it's uh yeah so i think experience taught me that that's sort of what you know what is sort of ended up um the races ended up being like with with given the rules so Take, taking yeah. a step back then so when you're going into because obviously for you that was this your number one race of the year yeah definitely I, I i sort of really stuffed it up the year before um despite putting together a much better lead up going into it um so i was pretty uh, determined to to get it right and so what, what would you do differently to this race in comparison to the prep that you do to other races? Um, the biggest, I think the, the bigger thing is I'll do a longer taper, so I'm fresher when I race, but the, the actual heart of the sessions, the key sessions are harder too. So in the lead up, it'll go for, my prep will be slightly longer than a normal um, 70.3. But then I, um, yeah, I just make the taper a little bit longer. I'm, I think the other big thing for me is I'm just a lot more focused and um, I guess driven and I, and I look after all the little things, you know, in terms of recovery and um, not to, not to like a crazy, a crazy degree. Like I did the year before where I was, you know, super anal about everything. Um, I was a lot more relaxed, but, but you still, I think it's almost subconscious. You just, you eat well, you, you tr- make sure you're sleeping pretty well, whereas you can't really I – can't, well, I know I can't maintain that sort of focus for, you know, every 70.3 that I go into. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the biggest difference. Now, if people haven't seen the footage, you really should get on there. It's pretty easy to find if you go onto YouTube. Um, there's, there's people that have put the whole live coverage of the, the entire event up there. It was, a, uh, it was an epic run, and 
you and Sebastian Keenlay were ding-donging the whole way and then he kind of he broke you towards the end at some stage and the gap looked like it was it was a bit unassailable it was you know I'm guessing it maybe got up to sort of 30 to 40 meters or so and you were kind of kept looking behind your shoulder and stuff and were looking on where, where third was and I think most people watching and the commentators included kind of thought it was all over over and then you managed to got the afterburners got the afterburners on bridged up to Keenlay up the the final climb and then gassed him on the way down so what was it that you know in that moment gave you that motivation to actually you know catch him up and then and then put the afterburners on um i think it was a, a couple of things part of it was i think sebastian slowed down oh. so um <laughs> uh, he I, earlier in the year I'd raced Vineman 70.3 and I'd had a I'd had a really good race and felt awesome but I made the I think the tactical error of just doing too many surges on guys in the first 10 kilometers of the run because we got off the bike I think with Andy Potts, Crowey, Sam Appleton and Terenzo like there was a lot of good guys there and I was the aggressor the whole time and in at Sunshine Coast um, Sebi was definitely the aggressor on the run I mean we worked together the first eight or nine kilometres, but after that, he was really putting in a lot of hard surges between there and probably 16 kilometres, and, and he was, you know, and it was intimidating, and he did break me, but I think he also paid the price for it and, and was was actually slowing down a little bit, whereas I sort of held my speed quite well, and then as I started to come back, then, of course, my confidence grew. Mm, mm. I had I had thousands of people just abusing me to get back up to him, and... Um, so yeah, I, I I hadn't given up on catching back up, but I was I was concerned. Uh, I was definitely concerned that where third place was because I was like, well, you know, I've just got to um, I've, I've got to stay where I am. I was a little bit stressed out about that, but then once I sort of chilled out and thought, look, all I have to do is run as well as I can and relaxed back into a little bit. I actually started to bring back um, Sebi, and I assume that that. I don't actually know whether he was slowing down. I'm just assuming that he that he was because I don't feel like I drastically changed anything too much. And then, yeah, once I was back up to his shoulder, it was um, I was like, "Wow, this is this is back on." And uh, what was that moment like my... for you? Like, you know, what was it kind of emotionally like for you? So when you were coming into that final hill, you go up a hill and then down to the finish line, and the crowd there was just phenomenal. Really? So and you're the local it was boy. hard to really. Yeah, yeah, it was just like I just had tingles all over my body, you know, wow. with adrenaline, and I was like, "Geez, this is um, this is unreal." And and he was, and I could tell Sebi was starting to panic because I tried to go around him on one on the inside, and he moved across to block me, and I was like, mm-hmm. "So then I, yeah." And then as soon as I got close to the top of the hill, I thought, "Yeah, it's time to go," and <laughs> just just sort of hung on as well as I could. Is it the hardest you've ever worked? I was, it was this, the deepest, yeah, I've never got to the finish line so depleted, you know, not in terms of, you know, an Ironman you get to the to the finish and you're just completely fatigued and mm-hmm. depleted, but that was just total oxygen debt. You know, I haven't had to, you know, I'm sure I to you guys do it in so many races, but in with 70.3s over four hours, normally the race is spread out by the time you get to the finish line. So mm-hmm. you sort of truck along to the finish at an even pace, whereas I was just, I was going like a as absolutely hard as I could to get you know just to hold him off by two seconds at the end. So, wow. 
So. It was obviously awesome to win it, and and you know you get all the accolades on the day, and you get a, a you know really good payday, you get a world title. Uh, but has it actually changed much in life for you? You know, if you win Kona, you know I think things change a lot, and you if you're Olympic champion, it changes a lot. This is not obviously quite at that same level, but has it changed much for you, or has things just settled down after a couple of weeks and it's, it's you've got the title on your name? But has anything else changed? I think it does. Um... You know, of course, I've. You know, I think there's been a couple of like uh, corporate opportunities that, uh, hopefully, coming to fruition by the end of the year that wouldn't happen if I didn't have a world title. Mm. Um, and, but, you know, I was also very fortunate in that I had a great team of sponsors. I have a great team of sponsors behind me already. So, mm. um, especially within the industry, things you know, weren't going to change drastically. I was already quite well looked after. So I think what it does, though, it provides security um, beyond, you know, the ne- for the next few years anyway because yeah. it's always, you know, contracts are normally one to two years, sometimes three years where you're lucky. So um, definitely just as a, you know, with two young kids, the biggest thing for me was, sweet, I'm good for the next couple of years. Yeah. Um, Which is a luxury in I the mean, sport, that- isn't it? Oh, absolutely, it is. Yeah. So, I mean, and you, and really, um, it, you can understand why. You know, it's it's a pretty tough game. There's a lot of good athletes, and if you're not performing, it's 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 a cutthroat business. So, um, you know, even even after two years, if I don't, if I'm not still getting results, you can't expect sponsors to be hanging around forever. So. Um, yeah, I've got a got a great team, so it didn't it didn't drastically change things for me, but um, I definitely felt a sense of security that I hadn't hadn't felt in the sport. <laughs> so I'm just wondering, you know, you're a successful athlete, you've had lots of great results in your career. Does anything shift in your identity and self perception when you win a race like that? And, and how I won it, so I went to a deeper place that maybe I've never been to, but also the fact that I am of you know that's kind of that next level for me. Does anything shift in the way you perceive yourself? Um, I, I was, I, I definitely was a little bit shocked at the finish. I was like, wow, I can't, can't believe this. I mean, a part of, I think we're all sort of split personalities as athletes. We're quite, um, overly confident at times. And then at other times we're completely insecure. So, yes. you know, a part of my brain's telling me, yeah, you're good enough to win world titles. You can beat any of these guys. And then the other part of the brain's like, you know, how good is it that you're even a pro athlete? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, at, definitely. At times, it sort of hits me like, "Oh wow, that's it's a really cool thing to have achieved." And I, um, I guess, the belief has gone up in what might be possible, you know, in Hawaii and other other races when if I get it right. But um, yeah, but but the other time, the other side of it, like I said, is there's always that side of you that believes that that potential is there. Otherwise, you wouldn't be doing it. So. I guess it's just a it's a bit of a fluctuation in in how I feel about myself. But definitely for the for the few weeks after the race, I was on cloud nine and um, self belief was sky high. And then I went to Hawaii and had a completely dismal <laughs> performance, and <laughs> it was back to reality. <laughs> but but it's the, it's the thing is, and I think as an athlete, ultimately, especially in endurance sport, is we want to be tested, don't we? And in our deepest moment, we want to think that we will step through that. And, you know, that, that race kind of represents that for you, doesn't it? That was, was my deepest moment, and I stepped up. You know, like, that's quite a rewarding moment, isn't it? Yeah, I think um, 
that also made me realize um, how there's a limitation to how often you can do that as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was when I was first racing pro, I was able to really go deep pretty much every race for a year or two. Even I didn't have the ability then or the, the training behind me to do to be winning the races. I was often coming third or fourth or fifth, but I just remember the end of every race I'd be you know at the point of vomiting and then as I had progressed I found that I just couldn't do it that often so now I've learned you have to really save those moments for when it's most important so if, um so and so I guess that's yeah that was probably one thing that I really took out of Sunshine Coast was you know they're the, they're the times to go to absolute go to the absolute deepest you can and um and not necessarily don't burn it out on on a fourth place in a you know in a race that isn't so important (laughs) so you're at home at the moment um yeah watching looking after kids and doing the laundry and all that sort of (laughs) he's in the washing machine room (laughs) (laughs) he's been abandoned to the washing machine room you you could have been at a a bloody seven star hotel in Bahrain this week doing 70.3 against Lorenzo and co but you you weren't there one thing I commented on the show last week when when I thought you were racing and you're on the start list was you know I was wondering if maybe you're going after a bit of a, a crown of titles. I was thinking you know you've got the Asia Pacific title, you've got the world title. This would be the Middle Eastern title, and maybe you know is is that something you think could really work in terms of trying to get the best guys together more regularly? Is is having a bit more of a motivator about actually going and doing a bunch of these title races, or is that something that's crossed your mind or something they could do a bit better on? Um, I think there's a lot of opportunity for sure. Um, the The biggest thing with all these is it's great to put the money up, but you know, a bit, little bit like the Triple Crown, the promotion and the marketing behind it has to be really good. Otherwise, it's it's not going to really work out. So, um, I, yeah, I, I think that could it could be something that really works. You know, I've always said that. Um, I think I'd love to see the the best guys racing against each other more often, and I think to do that you need a deeper prize purse, um, you know, in in some of the races and and uh, I think the, the way they're doing it and actually taking some prize purses out of races is actually a good direction too because you don't want to see three people racing each other in an event, you know. It's better to create depth and and a, a little bit like the ITU format where you have the the World Championship Series, um, I, I like that idea. Um, but then the race, the depth of the athletes and the, the prestige of the race needs to be matched by how much is spent on marketing the pros and the live coverage. And, and I think in some ways things are hopefully heading in the right direction in that regard. Um, yeah, I, w- I would have been really keen to do Bahrain, um, but I just knew that I knew that I was just more cooked uh, with all the just burnt out with all the travel and and I've raced a lot this year and I needed some just some time at home with the family. I don't think I could have um, I'm don't think I could have competed with the way Terenzo was riding over there. It was yeah, just great, um, unbelievable. Yeah. Oh, I've never never seen anything like it for the for a week after a yeah. sub eight hour Ironman. Yeah. yeah. So obviously Kona didn't go um, go to plan, but you did get the monkey off your back in terms of you know trying to find that Ironman performance when you won Ironman Australia. Do you feel like you've kind of got that 
monkey off your back now. I mean, I'd imagine you, you were talking about before Kona, you were, you were pretty smoked emotionally probably after the 70.3 Worlds, and you can only go to that well so many times. But in terms of Ironman, your progression with Ironman Australia, do you kind of feel you might be on the track to being able to achieve what you want to in Kona? Um, yeah, I, do, I, learned, I learned a lot from Kona this, this year. Um, I actually... I, I think I was emotionally burnt out for Kona, but I don't think that was what affected me uh, for that race. I was just absolutely useless from the moment I got on the bike. And I think <laughs> I, more a lot similar to some other athletes, maybe a little bit like, but to a lesser degree, Pete Jacobs and other guys, I just know I have to be fresh when I get on a, on a start line or I, it doesn't matter how good my training's been going or um, I, I just – I can be really good or I can be really terrible if I'm too tired. So um, Sunshine Coast and Ironman Australia were both much shorter preps than I'd done in the past for my sort of A races, and that seemed to work really well for me. Doing a six-week build instead of a 12-week build, and I'd be ready to go and, and flying, whereas when I would do these, I guess, more traditional 12-week builds, I'd get to eight weeks in and I could feel the wheels starting to come off and I was – um, you know, and it just wasn't working out for me. So, uh, Ironman in Australia was a huge, um, huge moment for me because I, I guess, yeah, it was it was getting the monkey off my back. It was realizing, all right, I don't have to do these enormous builds and huge mileage that I thought I did. Um, it's better for me to, it's better for me to be fresh, and then I can actually compete. So, uh, yeah, it was a, it was even it was even I guess it was such a moment of relief for Ironman Australia because it's you don't want to be one of those guys who's you know can there's a lot of 70.3 guys who are unreal but then just haven't been able to do anything on on the double the distance and so it was it was definitely a special moment to get the monkey off the back we just have a random question. It seems that a few random. I like random questions. We've got a few random John's questions. random, let's be honest. But just one of the ones is when you go into media conferences nowadays for WTC, do they kind of say what you can and can't say, or is it very much free reign? Well, it's funny because I was, you know, I'm, I've started, I've become sort of a reluctant fan of the UFC <laughs> nice. just because, man, it's just you're a fighter. It's just no, I'm not. I don't like. I hate the the brutality of it, but just the way they go on in press conferences and it's just entertaining and it's good. And, and I know the thing is then someone tries to be a little bit more controversial in, in a triathlon press conference or in the media and suddenly everyone's on their back like, Oh, this guy, what a, what a prick, you know, like it it just doesn't seem to go down that well. And I almost feel like it's the triathlon um, participants, like all the fans that, sort of almost pushing pros to become this cookie cutter sort of pro, you know, where you're just uh, very generic in your responses. And, but I also feel like the questions we get asked at these press conferences are so like, no, but it's interesting because this year in Kona, we we were saying it's the first year that we, we, because the Kona press conferences, we were a joke. Um, and but I, I think what's happened is because there's no money in media now, we've lost the deep thinkers of the sport. So the people who were getting it at the press conference were kind of people who were just sent along as this is a job on the side. You know, like some of the, back in the old days, we used to laugh at the old guys asking kind of these questions that were really showing their knowledge. But in some ways, this year. The press conference was a joke. Like there was no depth in questions at all. It was kind of like smile for my Instagram photo kind of stuff. It was, you know, it was really yep. fascinating. Yeah, yeah. Well, 
I mean, I don't know. I haven't watched it over the years, but it definitely seems like, um, yeah, at the, <laughs> some of the questions you get asked, you can see why the answers that come back are pretty pretty short and pretty boring. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or they're just, you know, the standard, um, the right responses that uh, sponsors and race directors need to hear. <laughs> so, but in terms of the Yeah, I would love to see. I would love – I mean, there's some, there are some great commentators out there, I think, Paul Kay and Pete Murray, they they know the athletes quite well, and um, and I know they try and um, ask questions that aren't aren't as aren't typical for you know the, for a triathlon press conference. But it's um, yeah, it's difficult to get away from how you're feeling and how do you think the race is going to go. And <laughs> but but in terms of um, WTC and stuff, they don't actually give you you just kind of rock up and answer questions. They don't actually say. You know, you can't talk about challenge or you can talk about this so you can't talk about that? No, nah, yeah, no, they don't put any restrictions on us like that at all. That's no. great. Um, yep. one, one other race that I saw you went off and did was the Island House try and uh, it looks like you just missed out on maybe making that top 10 hit out on the, um, and maybe it was just your, your second run on the Enduro might have cost you, but what did you think about, <laughs> yeah. uh, think about that event and... Um, and it might be a bit like what you were saying before. It might be a great event, but they probably need to, you know, got great prize money, but maybe they need to double it in terms of the, the media coverage they get out of there. I'm just not quite sure what they're trying to achieve out of their, that event, so I was wondering what you thought about it all. Yeah, I thought um, the actual racing format was un- was unbelievable. Really, really uh, fun, really, really exciting. Um, yeah, I, I sort of personally... I stuck on the side of the road with cramps for about two minutes which put me out of the mix and but it was a lot of people were suffering cramps just in a format that your body's not conditioned for and um so from a racing standpoint it was really really fun i think if if you could somehow create um a series where age groupers could also do that i think they would really love it and really enjoy it um like you said it's difficult just where the race is, it's it's quite difficult for it to be, you know, live streamed and things like that. And I also feel because there's a, you know, you, you're not going to have thousands of spectators out there, it might not give the atmosphere that it probably deserves mm-hmm. um, over a live feed. But in saying that, I think they, they showed how well that style of racing uh, works and how you can even out – Every you know, guys who have a strength in cycling, like Terenzo did really well. He didn't he didn't run that well on any of the three days, but he ended up in the, the top four, I think. I think he was third or fourth. Mm. And just because he was cycling so well and um, you know, and some of the other IT guys like Mario Moller was the same as me, he was on the side of the road, just stuck with cramps. Um and you know, and as a seventy point three guy I was the same. So it sort of evened out the playing field at let um, strengths come through. And I thought, you know, um, given that the island had just been <laughs> decimated by a hurricane, um, they did a really good job. And I know that in, in the future, there's probably, uh, there are plans for it to be better, um, a better feed and better publicised. And I think uh, there, there's even talk that the format will go to other other places and create a sort of series. And if that happens, I think it'll be um, a really exciting form of triathlon that if you ever want to bring TV and media to an event, that's the style of racing that I think could really, really work. 
So, well, so 2017, you know, this year's been pretty successful for you. you, you what's the focus for the next year? Is it is it again kind of going 70.3 over Ironman, or is it w w as you look forward to the next year? What what, what are you seeing? So, yeah, Matt, my coach Matt Dix and I have had some big discussions about it. We're going to try and um, reduce the travel quite a bit. Um, I was from January this year. I was you know I was straight off to Panama and then three or four trips to the US and you know three or four trips to asia it was just a lot of traveling and i think that was what wore me down more than more than the racing or training and so by hawaii i was just sort of triathloned out um so we're going to try and i guess keep things fresher mentally and less travel um focus on the big races uh so we'll be and i'll also be in the u.s uh based there for a lot longer so that i'm not going back and forward so um the big focus for me will be uh, Kona I'll do definitely still target 70.3 worlds but for me I don't feel that sort of burning ambition the same way that I do with a race that's um, knocked me down so mm -hmm. you know that after uh, Kona this year that's that's the one that really gets me inspired to get out and get training um, so that's the that's the main plan I don't know um, too many specifics on what races I'm doing just yet I just know the the general general idea of where i'm heading but it, it looks like i'll do ironman australia again as my qualifying race for hawaii and yeah and then from there it's it's all being decided still okay so so if people want to follow you or have you got anything you want to plug about what you might be doing um what how do people sort of follow you and keep in touch with what you're up to and, and if you've got anything coming up you want to get out there so um just the usual social media channels i'm on instagram on timbo reed 85 when I saw uh, Timbo Reed, I thought it was Tim's board. Tim board. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I was like, oh, that's not a good one. And then I was, oh, Timbo. <laughs> I'm not the sharpest. Um, and here, then, <laughs> um, Twitter is Timbo Reed, and I've got a Facebook page, Tim Reed Pro Try. I, I think <laughs> I'd have to check that. But yeah, and then I, um, I put links to my blogs and stuff on my website, which is timreed.com.au. Uh, all my bl blogs and things go up on firstoffthebike.com. So. Fantastic. Awesome. Okay, well, we know you've got to get back and uh, look after the kids. Uh, so we thank you very much for sharing so much of your time <laughs> yeah, with mate. you. And we look forward to seeing you kicking some ass in Kona later this or you know, sometime next year. Yeah, cheers, guys. Awesome, Thanks mate. Thanks for the show. Cool. Okay, Bo, Tim Reed, great interview. Best interview ever. We haven't done it yet. Yes. But best interview ever. Okay, Bo, sponsor. This could be another Christmas gift you could get someone as a... Yeah, get them a, a chance to try some extreme endurance. Comes Easily comes in that $100 threshold. You could even get them a pack of extreme endurance and some immune boost. Somebody who loves the old, uh, loves the product, Adam Titley. Titley, he, it's he a great name. Sent, sent through, got a nasty flu, so feel dreadful. That said, I felt ever so slightly better after using your um, bending forward pill swallowing technique that you guys mentioned years ago. I swear it's some kind of magic. So... I'm not a great, uh, you will have heard us maybe talk about this before, but I'm not a great pill popper, and, and I, th I think it might have been Robin Trotman. Years ago, this years ago. They sent through a tip, you know, if you're struggling to take pills. You did it in, the, you did it in this room, I mean, yeah, you did it. You just lean forward a bit, which kind of defeats the purpose of gravity, you're thinking, yeah. most of the time you, you sort of see people tipping their heads back, but you lean forward, have a bit of water in the mouth, with the, put the pill in first and then a bit of water, then lean forward, swallow it, go straight down. 
straight down. Straight, and you did it, and it was absolute gold. And he's saying, gold. thank you for the tip. And this is years ago, so you remembered yeah. it? Yes. And it worked, didn't it? It did. Yeah. So there you go. There's your tip for Christmas on, on how to swallow tip, uh, swallow pills. And if you want to get someone a, a triathlete, a little Christmas gift, you go in there, get them some extreme endurance or you know, any of their other products. Or if you know somebody that has been trying their products and you may be thinking, well, I know they use X endurance, you, they could try the Fuel 5, there's a few other products on there. Or you can buy them a T-shirt or a cap or an X endurance bottle or something like that. Remember your promo code IMTALK10 and get yourself a 10% discount. Kiwis and Aussies, you can get it through me at coachjohnnewsome.com. There you go. Check, check, check it out, guys. Xendurance.com. Okay, John, quickly, questions and answers. Just Stephen Morris sent this through a few months ago. There was a DS disqualification for the age group winner at Oklahoma. It was World Champs, wasn't it? Yep. Age groups. Yep. And there was a lady who won. She was a Kiwi. She was too, was she? Yeah. And I was kind of speculating that she was a little bit of a cheat. Well, her swim time was faster than Dylan McNeese's. Yeah, but didn't slack. She can't swim. You know, but can't swim. Uh, And he basically just, Stephen, just give an update on what's happened. It seems to be there's an outcome with the offender, the overall female age group winner, having seen there been her dis- disqualification being reinstated and therefore removed from the result. It appears the ITUs to use their own rule technicality to remove her from the results at the same time reversing the burden of proof back onto the athlete to prove evidence that she completed the course. Very smart. So basically what they've done is they've said, okay, well, we're suspicious, but you need to prove you finished your course. With the burden of proof, she, uh, she basically had to pull out. So for that person who has maybe kind of played the game the wrong way, ITU have found a way through that, so good on ITU. And it's quite interesting to make them prove that you did the course. Hmm. Yeah, it's a good way of doing it, isn't it? So it's good to kind of get that wrapped up. And also it's fair. We don't want cheats in our sport. We don't. We, we really don't. Nothing no. worse than a cheat. Mm. You know, don't cheat in life. You know? Exactly. John, patrons. We've got one new patron this week. See if you can get this one. Andrew Owen. Now, I don't know what the name is, but I have another name if you don't want to do this one. Ah, uh, okay. No, 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 you go for it. Okay. Tatooine. Oh, as in like from bloody from Paradise Island no was it Tattoo oh no, it's no. Yeah. the plane the plane no <laughs> yeah. that guy no. I'm going to find a YouTube cover <laughs> the plane the plane <laughs> no okay. Tatooine I don't know what Tatooine is a planet uh, where Luke Skywalker was from oh I'm not that much of a geek and Uncle Owen was was uh, Luke Skywalker's sort of uncle who was looking after him okay and so andrew owen i was thinking uncle owen from star wars given that the new star wars movie coming out this week bevan you yeah. may or may not be aware of and so i thought uncle owen are you going so i'm going to it yeah yeah it's not really a, it's not a proper star wars one but it's uh, well it's before it's a prequel yeah and, and it's it's how it all starts john yes oh yeah i know i don't know anything about tatooine but yeah. I, know, I know movies so andrew <laughs> owen tatooine I'm just trying to find the plane, the plane. <laughs> well, I, I thought Owen, and then I thought wrestling. And then... Well, how did you get to there, that? The heart, Owen Hart, the wrestler. Well, probably a little bit after your time. And he was called the King of Hearts. So I thought King he of Hearts. He was a bit after my time. I, I was he, was, like, he was Brett the Hitman Hart's brother. That was Jim the Anvil Nightheart. <laughs> yeah, well, then it was Owen Hart as well. <laughs> How many brothers did Brett the Hitman Hart have? <laughs> I don't know. It was Jim the Anvil... I don't, I, I don't think Jim was even his brother. Well, they were the Heart Foundation. There they was. were the Heart Foundation. Yeah. Well, then along came Owen Hart. And Owen Hart, this is pretty sad. Can you hear this in the background? The plane, the plane. Yes, I'll do it again. Oh, I hope you guys are as excited People about that as I was. This. this is the best podcasting <laughs> ever. So Owen Hart died 
at one of their events. Basically, uh, some equipment fell down and killed him. Oh, God. Yeah, it was pretty horrible. Um, and he was a world wrestling champion at the time. Oh. Yeah, died in 1999. So, pretty and sad stuff. So, Andrew Owen, I'm part of a small tri club team in Perth, Western Australia, known as the Stinger Tri Club. Go the Stingers! However, most of our members are just in the club for the Christmas party at the end of the year. And he's got a link through to his athletics page so we can find out all about Andrew. So, thank you, Andrew, for coming on board. So, what, what we're going with, how do you say it? Tatooine. 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 Andrew Tatooine Owen, or Andrew the King of Hearts. Oh. Yeah. As you could choose, I know what you're gonna choose. Let's be honest. He's a nice progression. Sun Smart Western Australia and Why don't we why don't we why don't we say, Andrew, here's your job. You have to put an email to your club and say, Listen, I am talk. You know, I've I can be Tatooine or King of Hearts and the club can choose. Okay. Okay, yeah. there we go. I guarantee. Oh, these people will probably go to the wing. He's had nice progression. I mean, Western Australia went ten thirty five in twenty fourteen. Nice. And then the year before, he was eleven twenty one. Nice. It's a big improvement. Massive. And. uh and he's got a few 70.3s on there as well. So nice work. If you want to become a patron of the show, go to imtalk.me and you've got different options. Five bucks a month, ten bucks a month. You get one of our awesome I Am Talk swim caps. Did you bring my beanie? Christmas is coming, Bevan. I, I get the beanie as a Christmas present. And uh, you come in at 20 bucks a month, so like a coffee a week for a coffee for a show. Then you get a, a, a beanie, a swim cap, and all of you get nicknames, and all of you go in to get in the draw for Kona 2016. 2016? No, we're in 2016. When do we go? We went this year. 2018. 2018. 2018. And yeah, job's good. Even oh, still trying to figure out his medical <laughs> just, information. You did medical ID. There you, you go. You did by now. It was like <laughs> half an hour's past. I was born in August 1977. You can call Joe Reed. You can call my mum. I weigh yeah. 80 kg. I'm probably under that right now. Yeah. My height's 181. There you go. I'll give you a Christmas present on next week's show. <laughs> You're not coming next week. Oh, have you got it here? Yeah, oh, next week's show we're doing okay, in okay. half an hour's time. I haven't got you a present. I'll get you one. There you go. Yeah. We charge your battery. Nice. I paid for those. <laughs> <Shh>. <laughs> I replace them every week because this doesn't this does use battery quite much. A lot. Okay, Jombo sponsors. Athlinks.com. Social networking for endurance athletes. Extreme endurance. And our patrons. Patrons. Jombo watch goss. Got back from Sydney yesterday afternoon. Had a weekend. Oh, course, in Sydney. Sydney. Yeah. I went to the big smoke. There's a lot of people in Sydney. Yeah, it's a big city. I wonder what the population is. What seven, do you reckon? Seven million. Oh, I was going to say seven. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's a lot of people in a city, One isn't it? One tip when you go to Sydney. I love Sydney. For, for non-Aussies, you, uh, you get the op- Opal card, which is like a, it's works on all the public transport. Okay. We Now, we didn't get it. Big mistake. Mistake. Because we, we were just going to get the train in from the airport, and then we were just going to be going on the ferry across yep. to Mandalay back, and I didn't realise it worked on the ferry. And if you don't have it, you got to queue up for tickets every time. It's a uh, bit of pain in the ass. There's still when we went to New York, we didn't buy the week tram pass. Yeah. And we thought, oh, and bad mistake. Yeah. Yeah. Bad mistake. So Sydney was good. What was the highlight of Sydney, John? I had a lot of food. John, a lot <laughs> your of diet food. strategy. What's your diet strategy? It's called the yo-yo diet. Okay. I go on something, then in one week I no. I'm generally pretty good, but when when we go away, you're a fat person, a skinny person's body. It's hard work when you go away. Yeah. So I ate a lot of food. You got to choose healthy options. Because yeah. you're going to eat a little bit more, so you go for the salad, like I did when we were in the cheese factory. Mm. You went for the big meal, yeah. <laughs> and then you ate somebody else's as well, didn't you? Yeah. Well, yeah. was no, your... Snail and I shared. Oh, okay. 
Sydney was all good. Mountain snail was the worst. <laughs> Tell you what, never go for a meal with the mountain snail because yeah. he's eating your plate. <laughs> you know, like you kind of after the fact, you might kind of can I have a little bit of what you've left over? He's not even doing it. He's just going, oh yeah, I have a bit of that. He's basically reaching over the table. He's a shocker. You know it, mountain snail. Don't deny it. He's, he's not even like you know being a bit polite about it. Yeah. You, you, bite number one. He's got his fork in there before you. Oh, God, bloody hell, mountain snail. Notice that. Yeah, oh, yeah. Anyway, uh, Sydney was good. Had a little swim out there. I will say, I've never had a panic attack when I was swimming. And in New Zealand and Australia, no, in New Zealand and Kona, when I go swimming, I'll never even remotely think about oh, sharks. dangers or yeah, anything Australia. like that. Sharks. Yes, so when I did the swim there, I swam from Manly to Shelley Beach, and it wasn't great conditions. Normally, apparently, pretty calm and beautiful. And um, it was low tide also, so there was a bit of seaweed around. Keep swimming into the seaweed, and I'm just going, shit, man, I'm going to get stung by something here, or there's a shark's going to eat my leg off. I wasn't panicking. But you were uncomfortable. But I was going, yeah, I think I'd rather swim in slightly cooler water and be in my wetsuit than swimming by myself in the open water when you're out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. I uh, had a couple of little runs, did a run on one day, and then did a run Sydney's with a beautiful city. Yeah, it was great. So You don't sound like you think it's... <laughs> no, it was great. Wouldn't want to live there. No, I, I think it's a rat race, mm. but beautiful city. Mm. Like, it's beautiful, iconic. When you go around that harbour and the mm-hmm. um, opera house and, and the cool city, I love yeah. Sydney. Nice. Yep. Bevan, what's happening in your world? Had a, a Les Mills staff party the other night, John. You guys have bloody staff parties every two weeks? No, it was a members party. Right. See, so the members. Did yeah. I go to a members party? I must have. Oh, yeah, I went to a members party. And then, uh, and then, but the staff party. Mm-hmm. And Les Mills put no effort into their staff party. Yeah. All they do is they say $10,000 on the bar, where you go. Oh, really? Yeah. So it gets a little bit messy. Yeah. It actually didn't get too messy. No, and there was not much goss. All right. No one shagged anyone. No pashing. No, I thought I did walk outside, and and some girl was hitting on one of the young guys big time, <laughs> and he's in a relationship, and she was putting it all out there. Right. I don't I don't know what happened, but she was definitely putting it all out there. Yeah. You didn't have to be a body language kind of expert to figure out what she was trying to achieve there. Yeah. So, so that was kind of cool. Watch the Parker fight, John. Did you watch the Parker fight in New Zealand? It cost fifty nine ninety five. Never have even contemplated it in Australia. Two hours delay. Two hours. Time difference, so the fight was on over here at like ten forty-five. So about nine thirty. Yeah, yeah. So we got home and uh, about to go to bed. Turn the TV on. Like, sweet. Oh, so it was free. free coverage. So really? I watched the whole thing. Yeah. Wow. So that was good. What do you think? I'm not into boxing whatsoever, but I watched it all and I thought that it was a it was a good fight and it should have been a draw. It's very controversial. Lots of talk in New Zealand right now. I imagine everyone in America knows the current world champion now, Joseph Parker from New Zealand. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. I'm sure everyone knows who this guy is. But uh basically we've got this young up and come boxer doing really well and he won one of the titles. It's a you know, boxing's a stupid sport. Mm. Uh, he won one. It was very controversial. I thought it was one of those ones that could have gone either way. Mm-hmm. And I I did think he just won it. Mm. Um but yeah, anyway, so I did that. Went to the pub and watched it, John. Great. Went to... Cover charge? No, I went to the carton. Mm. Yeah. And, oh. then, and then in between times, they sang a bit of Proclaimers. <laughs> and I would walk. Oh, <laughs> they were pub songs. So there you go. Anyway, John, we're going to wrap it up. I'm Russ. I'm in, don't. Train hard. Train smart. Kia, Kia.